This is Iron Sports. Uh, we're talking to Bleacher Report NBA writer Howard Beck. Howard, thanks a lot for coming on this afternoon. Absolutely, my pleasure. So we're like a few, about a week away from the game starting. I'm excited about that. And when I'm looking at the bubble, and I know it's impossible, I'm going to ask you a question that no one knows the answer. But from your perspective, what do you think, who's going to be benefit from the fact that they're going to be in a bubble, there's not a home arenas, they're going to be in one place? Do you see, like, is there younger players going to benefit from this, older players? What do you see from, is someone, is it just going to be some benefit for, to one, some players rather than others? If you're a team of, of veterans, let's take the Lakers, a team that's a contender anyway, and LeBron has seen everything in the world, and he's always going to keep himself in great shape, and Danny Green has been to multiple finals and won championships, and you know they've got all these guys who they're, they're, you know, they, they've got the know-how. They can play no matter what the circumstances are. They'll be fine. That's a great theory, except that maybe younger players can snap back into – heavy minutes faster because they're sprier and they've got less mileage on them. I don't know. <laughs> Nobody knows the answer to that. And, you know, it can go to other levels, too. It's also about, well, playing at a high level, playing at a playoff level in the NBA is about being in perfect sync with your teammates, right? We talk about peaking at the right time. We talk about momentum and rhythm and chemistry. Well, there is none of that. There's no momentum. There's no chemistry. There's no anything. These guys have barely seen each other you know, they just got back together within the last week, and they've got a few weeks to get up to speed and then jump right into these uh, seeding games, which are basically regular season games, and the playoffs will be here before you know it. Um, does that hurt or help certain teams more than others? Uh, again, I don't know. I heard, had a scout say, hey, look, I think the Milwaukee Bucks, among the teams that really matter, the Milwaukee Bucks are really uh, a team that functions at a high level based on their chemistry, based on timing, because there's so much that they do that's feeding off of Giannis. And so maybe that hurts the Bucks more than, say, you know, the Clippers who have two stars who can create in Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, plus a third player in the Williams who can, who can create quite a bit himself. The Lakers have LeBron and Anthony Davis. You don't need to be in rhythm. You just give them the ball and go. <laughs> um, so, you know, these are all interesting theories. I don't think there is a definitive answer. What about that one theory about young players? That this is more of an AAU type format where they just go to Orlando. A lot of these players were here for tournaments and and did this for like a, a week at a time, where they're just playing four times a day and they're playing this. They're used to that because this is the type of setup they they did like a couple years ago. Whereas a thirty year old player hasn't been in the AAU circuit for a dozen years. Yeah, I mean, you know, look, this is the other part of this, right? That when we're trying to, to um, handicap this whole thing, or, or you know make our best stab at what this is all going to mean to guys playing with no fans, playing with no home court advantage, playing in a, in a, in a, in this, this closed campus for weeks and potentially months, depending on, on what team you are and how long you can stay in this thing. There's no telling how any of that impacts guys. There, there, there just isn't the solitude, the being cut off from family, the um, potential monotony when you're not in the gym. Um, there's just no telling how any of this affects any of these guys. So we're down here in South Florida, and, and Jimmy Butler seems for the last number of years been very unhappy basketball players, unhappy in Chicago, unhappy in Minnesota, and even didn't seem that happy in Philadelphia. And now he's sort of thinking he's, he's sort of happy. And is Jimmy Butler the type of guy that could carry? I mean, is he someone that could maybe carry this Heat team? It's, it's just such an interesting, exciting young team. And is, he the, is, he, is this the role for him? He's finally, is you think he's finally going to be happy, I guess, and, and lead this team to maybe the NBA Finals? 
Well, I mean, the Bulls traded him. I don't think Jimmy was necessarily unhappy in Chicago. They just decided he wasn't the guy to build around. And then in Philadelphia, I think, you know, Jimmy had a pretty great run there and was a pretty good citizen, frankly. Uh, they moved on, or he moved on. However, you know, everybody wants to frame that. But I think Jimmy and Miami has been a seamless fit. It was the perfect landing place for him. I'm not sure there's a franchise in the NBA that, that is a better fit. Like, there are a few others that I think culture-wise would have, could have made um, – could have made sense for him as well. But the Heat, given the high standards they have, the, the level of professionalism, the work ethic there, the dedication there, the expectations that they always have no matter where they are in, in, in their evolution as a team, it's always the highest standards and, and the highest level of professionalism. And I think Jimmy, for whatever other people may think about him in the way he has uh, you know, expressed himself at times, the guy is all about work and is all about winning and is all about playing at the highest level. And that has fit very well with the players that they have acquired there. They have a young group that has grown up very quickly. I think they're a really fun dark horse in the Eastern Conference. I do think that the East is more open than the, the standings would suggest. And I think Miami, the way they play, and as hard as they play, and especially defensively, I, I think that they're, they're going to make some noise. You know, we talk about all these young players in the league, and I just, I mean, you mentioned the Heat, people say Tyler Hero, but they don't talk about Derek Jones Jr., Duncan Robinson, or Kendrick Nunn. And the, it's just, they're so young, and they're so, they were so, besides Hero, none of them were drafted high, and but they play with such passion, and they shoot so well. It's just like a perfect young team. And I mentioned Heat to all my friends across the country, they're like, ah, the Heat, no, nothing like that. I think they just totally underestimate Nunn, Duncan, uh, Nunn Robinson, Jones, and Hero. Yeah, I mean, listen, Youth does not generally win in this league, so if there's if there's a caveat I would put on my my heat hype, and I, I, look, I do I do strongly believe in them, but if there's a if there's a caveat or a potential ceiling, it's because youth doesn't generally win right away. Now, you're built around Jimmy Butler, who is a veteran and who has seen it all and is a, is a great leader, and I think you know that's a great place to start. But when you have that many young guys playing key roles in the rotation and who have not been in playoff situations, generally speaking, that means you know, you got to take your lumps and then come back the next year and, and go a little further. The difference, though, and this is the caveat to my caveat, <laughs> is that when, when young guys wilt in the playoffs or just, just don't function at the same level, it's often because of the intensity level. Well, that intensity level, a lot of that is due to crowd noise and the intensity in the arena. Not going to be the case now. Every game is a home game, or every game is a road game. I don't know what it is, but it's, it's, you know, it, whatever that is, it means it's a different psychology, and I do think that maybe for the young guys, it, it will be a, a little bit more inviting or a little bit more comfortable than it would be if you're playing you know, a Game 7 in Boston or Milwaukee or Toronto, you know, one of these places where the, the crowd can really rattle you. And then the, the one Heat player that's the emerging superstar is Bam Adebayo. And people would talk about Bam and saying, look, he doesn't shoot threes. He's sort of the uh, old school type player. But with his, his athleticism and defensive ability and just enthusiasm and energy, just amazing. You know, he's just the perfect complement to this team. And that's why they got rid of Whiteside. But and why they're, ha- they're certainly much happier have Adebayo than Whiteside. Bam has been phenomenal. And. You know, the, the strides he's taken this year. I mean, the Heat, you know, look, the Heat will tell you, hey, look, we saw this coming. He was already making these strides the last couple of years. He just didn't have as featured a role or as, as big of a role. And, but I think he, he has taken another leap this season. And I think that with him and, and Jimmy Butler together, you know, you've got, you know, you need two stars in this league right now. The 
two-star lineups are, are you know those are those come in different forms, right? Like LeBron and Anthony Davis is different than you know um, Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons, whatever. Like you, you, there's there are different forms of, of having, but you need two stars. You you need a minimum two stars to get yourself in the contender conversation. And Jimmy absolutely to me is a, a top ten, top twelve player in this league. And Bam is is moved into whatever that you know. I, I'm not sure. I haven't made the list recently. With <laughs> top fifteen, top twenty, whatever. He's up there, and he's a versatile big man who can step out uh, defensively on the perimeter. Maybe he's not stepping out offensively that much on the perimeter, but he's going to step out defensively. He can guard multiple positions. He's a terror defensively. Jimmy's a terror defensively. That's a great foundation to start with. And one final Heat question, and we always have to go back to LeBron. And it's just like we saw the last dance, and then the ESPN did the one thing about the decision. But it's almost like LeBron. I mean, he sort of never talks about his Heat days. I mean, it's sort of like when Jordan talks about the Wizards. It's never a discussion. And it's like, you know, down here in Miami, I think there's a lot of people who think, like I do, that not only the Maverick series, but even the Spurs series. Like, if he would have won those four titles, like if LeBron would have came here and gone four for four, then he would have been in that position to be challenging Jordan. It's like, it's sort of frustration, that fact that he... first year he was poor and then almost like he felt like he gave up that fourth year and uh, I guess you know the legacy of LeBron in Miami I know he's been the Cleveland legacy now it's the LA Laker but I feel like this was his chance to to make that step to actually equal Jordan and I, I think that's where this is where he came up short was here down in Miami I don't know I, I, I see it a little bit differently than that I mean I, I look at it as Miami is where he really grew up in a lot of ways you know he's, he's seven years in, um, when he leaves Cleveland and, you know, there, there was, you know, a ceiling he had reached there. And then year one in Miami, you know, you guys know all the narratives that went, that, you know, went around that and the difficulties that, that he faced and, and where he came up short in the, in the finals, all that. But that's what steeled him for everything that came after. And, you know, I, I try to remember who had said this a while back, but that basically, you know, they, they, they almost needed to lose in, in, you know, year one together to win in year two. That, that's true sometimes. Um, I believe that that's that's part of, of of what his his growth process was, and we saw him really uh, evolve personally and professionally after that. And then they win the next two, and by the fourth year, that wasn't about LeBron. That was about the whole rotation, the whole roster, just just uh, you know coming apart at the seams. You know, uh, Dwayne Wade's knees all of a sudden looked like they were fifty, and you know the the supporting cast got old in a hurry, and it just started to crack around him. So I, I don't see that as an indictment of, of LeBron at that point. But the Heat is, you know, Miami is where he won his first two championships. That's where he broke through and established that I'm not only one of the all-time greats in terms of, of the way I play and the numbers I put up, but I've got the championships to back it up now. One back, you know, uh, one back-to-back two. Um, and a lot of guys never win back-to-back. And then goes on and, you know, uh, ends Cleveland's half-century drought. <laughs> so, I like, I... I, I think he's done enough. You know, like, no one's ever going to go 6-0 and again. We need to stop holding that up as some sort of standard. I think it's kind of silly. Okay. Well, we've been talking to Howard Beck of Bleacher Report. You can follow him on Bleacher. What's your, the handle on Bleacher Report uh, for your, your, your handle? Just, just my name. It's pretty easy. At Howard Beck. <laughs> At Howard Beck. Howard, thanks a lot. I know you're very, very busy. Thanks a lot for coming on Iron Sports, 95.9, 106.9, West Palm Beach. Thank you so much. Appreciate it.